When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Rip City, breathe. It's going to be all right. There's more basketball to play. What is good, everyone? Welcome to KGW's three-on-three Blazers. Nate Hanson, Jared Cowley, and yours truly, Orlando Sanchez. Max Barr's got the day off, so we're going to give him a break. He uh, he was playing Damian Lillard minutes lately, so <laughs> got to take a little break here. But guys, we had to we had to do this thing. We had to talk about what a week it's been for the Portland Trailblazers and capping it off with a win over the Brooklyn Nets to keep their season alive. Guys, let's just start with that Nets game. What what was going through your guys' minds as as clock ticked down and ball is in Levert's hands and he has the power to end the Blazers' season with one shot. Uh, I think, like all of Rip City, we're probably just praying that shot didn't go in because he was out of anyone on the Nets, he was the one guy you didn't want taking that shot if you were the Blazers. And he got a decent look. You know, CJ was defending him. CJ put effort into it, but he had some space and obviously uh, got some lift and. The, the entire time, just holding my breath. I think I was like, Dame, you know, even like a second or two after the game was actually over, it took, you know, a little bit the process like, oh, we don't have to do anymore. The, the game's over. It's done. It's done. It's over with. Uh, we'll move on to the playing series. So uh, that was kind of my thought. Man, it's been – I we'll get back to Brooklyn. But I just got to say, I was looking at, you know, their schedule here in the bubble, and they played Philadelphia on Sunday – and I honestly don't – I know Dame scored 51, but I don't remember anything from that game because of how crazy the last two games have been. <laughs> how yeah, about I you, felt, Jared? Yeah, I felt that moment after, the, after Levert missed and you saw Dame grab his shorts and kind of lean over a little bit and just exhale. I think all Blazers fans felt the exact same thing. Um, I was actually – when Levert – stepped back I was like oh and I know it was a clean look but it wasn't the best look he he could have got in that situation he was able to break down the Blazers off the dribble almost at will and where his game isn't yet elite is in the outside jumper and so for him to choose you know whatever maybe he was just taking what the defense gave him but to step back and, and shoot from almost a three-point line I, I had hope that it wasn't going to go in, and it, it did. It clanged off the rim, and, and the Blazers survived. But what an eight-game run here. I mean, they had a very tif- difficult schedule. And we'll talk more about these eight games, but it's just – it's hard to appreciate everything that we've witnessed in these past eight games in the moment. I think that you have to go back and um, and somehow relive them. But, yeah, I'm – I'm amazed at what this team has done and and how that game ended last night. It's definitely such a blur because they're playing, you know, every other day and every game is close. We were joking about this, that 
you know, you just have to tune into the fourth quarter because whatever happened in the first three really didn't matter. Uh, every, every, every game going into the fourth, it was, you know, within 10 points or so and basically went down to the wire in all of those games. Guys, the national media really got a taste of what Rip City experiences often with Damian Lillard. And now with the Blazers being center stage in this, you know, run up to the eighth seed and, and now with the play in, all eyes were on Damian Lillard. And he's, he was so sensational and spectacular these past three games, really carrying the Blazers offensively through a lot of this and his heroics and just being clutch and making the, the right plays at the right time. It was just really entertaining and exciting to see Lillard operate like this and show why he's one of the best players in the league. And I think a lot of times we know living up here that the Blazers get overlooked and people forget about them, but it was cool to see Damian Lillard have the spotlight like this. What did you guys think overall about what Damian Lillard has been able to do in the bubble? I mean, we've talked before about what would it be like if Damian Lillard, what type of attention would he get if he played in a major market, you know, for a team like the Lakers, you know. This is what it would be like. It'd be <laughs> Damian Lillard all the time. And here in Portland, you're right. We've just become used and accustomed to it. But still, even for someone who's watched him, you know, pretty much every game over the last three years, like I'm amazed at how much I'm still blown away by the things he does. Like that shot yesterday against Brooklyn, pulling up from just inside half court Man. and just draining it like it was a jump shot from 18 feet out. It's just, it's incredible what he's doing. And, you know, we saw this year, let me go back to last year's playoff, I think is when the narrative around Dame really started to change. He had the big shot against Houston, but obviously his reputation took a hit when they got swept by the Pelicans in the playoffs when they were three seed. And then last year, he hits the big shot against Oklahoma City. He wills the Blazers without Yusuf Nurkic to the Western Conference Finals, which when you think about it now, it's just a, an incredible accomplishment for Dame to lead him. Last year, the Blazers, you know, injuries, and they didn't live up to next year. There were high hopes, at least in Portland, for the Blazers but there was that little segment in, what was it, late January, early February, where he went on a similar eight-game stretch to what we've seen in this bubble. And remember, the attention on him was all on him again, and people were just blown away. And then, you know, the Blazers started losing again. He wasn't scoring 50 points a night again, and it kind of went away nationally. And now you're right. The focus was on the Blazers in these seeding games because the big storyline was who was going to get who was going to get into the play-in series in the Western Conference. And so, and everyone was focused on the Blazers. Could they make this run to get there, to get into the play-in series? Because everyone thought with Yusuf Nurkic and Zach Collins back, this could be a totally different team. And Dame has just lived up to that pressure and raised the bar and raised the standard, even for himself, I think, in this bubble, which is just, I can't believe I'm saying that, but that's how good he's been. It's been remarkable. And I don't think he's overlooked at all anymore. He still thinks he is. And, you know, he takes some grief from some fellow players like Paul George and Patrick Beverly. But unless, you know, for, with the media narrative, unless you're Skip Bayless, you've heard nothing but praise for, for Dame. And he's been the story of the bubble. He's probably going to be named the MVP of the bubble tomorrow. And you've had 
countless stories written about him. I mean, like Nate said, Dame is getting the attention that he would get if he was playing for the Lakers or the Knicks or some other, you know, big market team. But what I've learned over the past eight games, again, I guess maybe I just don't learn this lesson is you can't count out Damian Lillard ever. You know, they came into this three and a half games behind the Grizzlies with eight games to play. It was not a realistic scenario. I know I said a couple weeks ago that maybe it could happen, but it wasn't an entirely realistic scenario that they were going to come back and get that eight seed. And because of Damian Lillard, they did it. He averaged 37.6 points and 9.6 assists in the eight games, and he played 42 minutes per, per game. And he needed, and the Blazers needed everything that he gave them. They got contributions up and down the roster. Don't get me wrong. They had a lot from Yusuf Nurkic. CJ playing 41 minutes per game with a fractured back. Mello and, and Gary Trent Jr. both stepping up, shooting ridiculous percentages from three. But Dame is the one who made it all happen. Think of all the open threes that Gary Trent Jr. and Carmelo Anthony got because of the defensive attention that Dame receives, combined with how unselfish he is. I mean, last night they were double teaming him 10 feet before he even got to half court. That's insane. I've never seen that before, ever. It's unreal. You think you've seen everything Dame can offer, and then he does something else to surprise you. And like I said before, I just hope that Blazers fans, and I'm trying to do this as well, can appreciate watching Damian Lillard in the moment. I think when we watched the ESPN documentary about Michael Jordan, it it brought it home for me like – how awesome it was that I got to watch Michael Jordan, you know, growing up during my formative years and how, how incredible that was. And I hope that we're able to appreciate watching Damian Lillard right now because it's really something to behold. Also, I just saw this on Twitter. And this is amazing. Uh, basketball Reference actually tweeted this out. Damian Lillard is nine for 17 from 35 feet this season. He's the first player in their database ever to shoot 50% from that range. Like I said, he just does something else to surprise you. He's incredible. He's Right now, he's the best point guard in the NBA, and it's not close. And we'll see about next season when Steph Curry comes back because I'm going to give all the respect in the world to Steph Curry. But right now, Dame is number one on the point guard list, and it's not, it's not a debate. I love that. It's so true. Um, what he does off the court – and now to see him shine the, the same way on the court nationally, Portland is so lucky to have a, a guy like Damian Lillard who does the right things, says the right things, and is just a really, uh, really, really good basketball player, man. When he pulled up from, from essentially half court, still I think six seconds had, had gone by in the shot clock. I think there was 18 seconds still on the shot clock. And he pulls up and knocks that thing down casually. I go back to that Clippers game when they lost. I don't know about you guys, but when they lost that game and Beverly is laughing and waving goodbye, at that point, I was like, this is it. Blazers are getting into the playoffs. That's all Damian Lillard needed was just a little more juice. That was it. So it didn't surprise me after losing that game that, that they would win all three games and that he would go off. I mean – you know, getting, uh, you know, 50, 51, 61, and 42. I don't know if I would have saw that coming, but I knew he was going to go off. And having that there, it just set the table for what was going to be a really fun and exciting week. 
And to see the Blazers pull it off and win by one against the Nets to, to get a spot in this play-in, how do you guys see this thing playing out now that, you know, the Blazers have narrowed that margin past Memphis and now sit in the eighth spot? Do you think that this is a, a one-game deal and the Blazers are meeting the Lakers? Uh, I'm going to say no. This is – I mean, the Blazers, there's one thing we – this team through the bubbles they're not going to do it the easy way uh i think they will advance and play the lakers in the first round but i'm gonna send that first game to memphis and they're trailing out of victory in the end this team they've they're tired and you you can when watching them at the end of these games granted they have found enough juice uh to finish them off over the next three but they are logging minutes right now. Jerry talked about Dane. He's, he's playing nearly 42 minutes a game. <sighs> CJ with his injury playing nearly 41 in the bubble. Yusuf Nurkic, after not playing for, for you know, 16 months, is playing 32 minutes a game. Gary Trent and Carmelo are playing 35. These guys are logging minutes right now. Um, and so at some point, I think it's going to catch up to them. And I thought the Clippers game was might might have been where we started seeing it catch up to them. But again, they found another gear, and it's a testament to Damian Lillard's leadership and his play on the court as well to will and lead this team. And because of that, I think they will beat Memphis. But like I said, they can't they can't do it easy, man. I don't think there's. I would be shocked if they win on Saturday by 20 points and it's just a coast at the end of the game. I would be shocked, but I think they will get there and they'll get a they'll get their shot at a best of seven against the Lakers. Yeah, I'm not going to give them a 20 point win, but I think they're going to win on Saturday. I mean, this team and Damian Lillard in particular, they've been on a mission since they entered the bubble, and I don't think that's going to change. I mean, I think Dame and everyone else they understand how valuable getting that extra day of rest is going to be. And, you know, if they win Saturday, they don't play again until Tuesday for game one against the Lakers. And that's rest that this team desperately needs. If they have to play Sunday too, even if they win, that's such a quick turnaround. And this team, they might, if that's what happens, they might be spent before the first round even begins. So I think this team's going to come out and like they have, you know, throughout the bubble, get it done when they need to get it done. Um, one thing that I thought was interesting is Kevin Pelton, ESPN. He put out some projections based on ESPN's real plus minus. It gives the Blazers against the Grizzlies a 55% chance of just winning, you know, one game. So uh, basically of winning game one. But even if it goes two games, they have an 80% chance of winning at least one of those two games. So I think the odds are definitely in the Blazers' favor to get into the playoffs and, and meet the Lakers in the first round. But I'm going to give them the win on Saturday. I think that they're going to, going to take care of business. I think Damian Lillard's going to take care of business, and they're going to hopefully get some, some much-needed rest. Game one, Saturday, and if, they're, if necessary, game two would be Sunday. The one thing I liked, now we can talk about what a hot mess their defense has been, if you want. But I will say that I saw the urgency in this team. I saw desperation, man. And for someone watching at home, you know that you don't get those type of moments in most regular season games. And I would even argue you didn't get those type of moments even early on in the bubble. 
But seeing Yusuf Nurkic diving on the floor over and over, Damian Lillard diving on playing hard and scrapping for rebounds, it just added that intensity, that playoff element to it that had that game been played in the Moda Center or in Portland, I can't even imagine what that atmosphere would have been like because it was all there. That felt like such a playoff game. And I know the state, the stakes weren't the same for the Nets. You know, they were locked in to their seventh seed in the East. But for the Portland Trailblazers, the desperation was written all over their faces. And that made it so fun to watch. And it would be nice. I mean, you mentioned their defense. It would be nice if they could get some sort of team defensive scheme uh, together because then they wouldn't have to, you know, claw their way back and score 130-plus points a night to win games. Their defensive rating in the bubble right now mm. as a team is 120, <laughs> which is just – I mean, in a regular season, that would be worse by, you know, the worst by 10-plus points in the regular season. But, again, you're right about the will and the effort they put forward yesterday because that was – and after the game, there were tweets about that the Blazers coaches showed him certain plays after the game – and it wasn't these incredible shots Dame was making. It was the effort plays that he and Nurk made to, you know, when they could potentially get a stop, getting on the floor, getting the possession so they could go the other way and try to get a basket and try to, you know, cut that lead down in the fourth quarter. And the same with Dame. And so they've, they've been playing playoff. This is playoff basketball for them. They've been doing it now for eight games and, they're not deep. That was a concern we had, and that's why they're having to log so many minutes right now. Now, uh, key plays, key moments uh, from guys, whether it's Gary Trent Jr., Carmelo Anthony has hit big shot after big shot in these games. Even Hassan Whiteside yesterday, uh, if he didn't play, as that was probably his best game in the bubble yesterday. And if he doesn't play that well, the Blazers probably don't win yesterday. And so they're getting, you know, they're getting a little bit from everyone here or there when they need it, and then Dame is just taking them over the top. Yeah, I, I do agree with you going back to their defense. I thought the defense would be better. I thought you add Yusuf Nurkic, Zach Ons to the mix. I expected to see improvement on the end of the, that end of the court, and it hasn't happened. Nate, you mentioned their defensive rating, which is terrible. Only the Mavericks and Nuggets in the bubble have been worse. And no matter where you look, you see really bad defensive numbers for the Blazers. They're allowing teams to shoot like 49% from the field, 43% from three. They're sending teams to the free throw line a lot. The only thing they've done well is rebound the basketball. They're doing that fairly well. Um, I'm also a little bit concerned about Zach Collins. You know, his stats are pedestrian, but they've always been that way. But more damning is that the team hasn't been very good with him on the court. And that hasn't always been the case. You look at the starting lineup of Dame, CJ, Mello, Zach, and Nurk, they're being outscored by seven points per 100 possessions. If you take Mello, put him at the four, you put Gary Trent Jr. in at the three, now that same, that same lineup, just taking Collins out, is outscoring teams by 16 points per 100. So I'm wondering if the Blazers, maybe they don't do it against the Grizzlies, but maybe it's something you consider you know, if you get into the first round against the Lakers, if you need to switch up your starting lineup and bring Collins off the bench. So as amazing as these eight games have been, there have certainly been some things that are of concern. Yeah, and and that I, I guess I wanted to get Nate's opinion on this too. Is that really one of the few solutions that you guys can think of? Because 
I mean, the personnel is the personnel. The starting lineup matters. The closing lineup, for the most part, has been talked about that's been effective with Carmelo at the four and Gary Trent, CJ, and Damon Nurt closing it out. So, I mean, Gary, it's not like Gary Trent's not getting minutes. He's still minutes a game despite mm-hmm. coming off the bench. And Zach Collins is only playing 25 minutes a game. And in terms of starting lineup, you know, if they get to the first round and they play the Lakers, Lakers, you know, they got Anthony Davis and they got other bigs. And so trying to match up with those guys and trying to match up with LeBron, who's, you know, essentially their big point guard, at least offensively, uh, is going to be a real challenge for the Blazers defensively. So I don't, I don't think they really have a defensive solution right now. I think the solution for them is just time together and having Nurk back in the lineup at center defensively. And so that they can kind of, it's also defense is so much of a feel too, feel and communication and without having Nurk for so long. And he's playing with some guys he's never played with before alongside. He didn't play a ton with Zach Collins before he got hurt. He never played alongside Carmelo Anthony. He never played alongside Gary Trent, you know, so that all takes time to build that chemistry. And so I think in terms of defensive improvement, you can hope for maybe small things here or there, and maybe game they get a game where they do play really well defensively. But in terms of consistently being better and where they need to be, uh, I think you're going to have to wait till next season when they get some time together. It's interesting that you that you mentioned that because I believe it was Carmelo Anthony when they first got into the bubble had mentioned that about Zach, that it was going to take Zach more time than the rest of these guys to kind of figure it out. One, because he hadn't played in a while. He was coming off an injury, so he was going to be super excited and jacked to be out there. So he kind of anticipated that there would be that foul trouble or, you know, just kind of making silly mistakes because you're trying to do too much. So that was one of the things that he was pushing was it's going to take Zach a little bit longer than the rest of us to kind of come together because, as you mentioned, all of these pieces were not together for most of the season. So I think there is that that portion there is a lot of truth to that Jared is is that all the solution is at at this point I don't think there is a solution to their defense I think it's like you said Orlando I think the personnel is what it is I think they have a major weakness trying to defend any kind of forward Um, and I don't think that's going to change even if you put Gary Trent Jr. and give him most of Zach Collins minutes or or, or whatever that's not going to change the defense I think that maybe can improve the offense I wonder if Zach Collins is just not as effective playing at power forward. I, th- I wonder if his, his real position is center. And if they do play the Lakers, if the Lakers run out a big lineup where you've got, you know, LeBron at the three and Anthony Davis at the four and one of their centers at the five, then yeah, starting Zach Collins makes sense. But if they go with the lineup they should go with, which is Kuzma, LeBron, and AD at center, then you might be better off starting – you know, a smaller lineup that can score better because you're not going to be able to stop those guys anyway. It's not like Zach Collins is going to match up well against LeBron at the four or Kuzma, you know? And so I don't think they have the solution on this roster to be a better defensive team right now. I think this is what it is. And so if they want to make any kind of a run in the playoffs, they're just going to have to outscore teams and that's going to be a challenge. But I don't think the solution is on the roster right now. It's a a shame they don't have Trevor Ariza. Right. Stotts even mentioned that post game last night was, yes, we are healthier than we've been, but don't get it twisted. We're still missing Rodney Hood. We're still yeah. missing Trevor Ariza. And 
they are key parts to what the Blazers do and have an impact on, on the game. Yes, they're not the star players, but when you look at it, like that's where most of the weaknesses are right now with this team, and they would have helped significantly in the bubble. You're right, and these conversations, we're going to, I'm sure, talk a lot more once the Blazers offseason happens about what the team could look like moving forward. But for the rest of this bubble uh, period, whether it's just two more games or two games plus a playoff series or – as some pundits may say, two games plus a playoff series plus more after that. Uh, they're they're going to just have Jared hit on the head. They're going to have to outscore teams. Uh, that's what they've been doing so far. I think I think the coaching staff realizes that. They're going to need Dame to carry the torch. They're going to need him to put continue to put up these ridiculous numbers he's putting up if they're going to have any shot of you know making any sort of noise in the playoffs. The one thing I wanted to make sure we got across because we've always mentioned it but never actually talked about it was Yusuf Nurkic and what he's been able to do in this bubble after the injury to come back the way he did. I feel like it's somewhat unheard of to bounce back like that. And also, how important do you guys think Hassan Whiteside will be over the next few games? I looked up uh, Yusuf's stats today just to to look at them and they I was surprised at how how impressive they are I mean I know he's been really good in the bubble but 18 points 10 rebounds four assists two blocks a steal and a half great percentages from the field and the free throw line and the only thing he hasn't done that well is hit his threes but that's okay (laughs) I mean he's been incredible and even better than I thought he was going to be coming back coming back from that injury. And I know he had a lot of time to recover. I mean, we talked about how Paul George was kind of the, the player that you looked at who had a similar injury. He came back after eight months, finished the last few games of the season, then had another four months or so until the new season started up. You know, that combined time, Yusuf Nurkic had more time than that to recover. So it, it made sense that he would be back to full strength and ready to go. But to just come back and be even better than he was before he got hurt. That's what has surprised me. And I'm just so happy that the Blazers have him back. You forgot how much fun this team is to watch, especially on offense with Yusuf Nurkic because of his ability to make plays for other people out there. And his passing ability is almost unparalleled. There's only a couple centers in the NBA who can pass like he can. So he's been outstanding. Um, probably their second best player in the bubble and, and, all credit to him for the work he put in to come back from that injury. It's incredible. I think it's a testament to his work ethic. Because remember, when the Blazers brought him in, when they traded for him from the Nuggets, there was real questions about his work ethic and his dedication to the game. And he obviously, he, he proved that, he threw that out the window with Nurk fever right away. And then remember he got himself into great shape, you know, the ne- for the next off season for the following year. And, you know, when you have an injury like this, the, he knew he was going to be out, you know, best case scenario, at least nine months. And that can be really tough, especially with the timing of it. You know, the Blazers were, they're getting close to the postseason, you know, and that's what they're revving up for to get redemption from getting swept the season before and so to mentally just come to grips with that and then do what you need to in rehab to make sure everything's right and then put still find time and find ways to put effort into making your game better not just getting your leg better but making 
yourself a better basketball player that time. And then you get ready. It's March. You're ready to go. Then four days before you're supposed to return, you know, the rug gets pulled out from underneath you. And now you got to wait even longer. And who knows? Maybe that was a blessing in disguise for the Blazers to give him this extra time. And maybe he was able to do more basketball things during this time because he was cleared, you know, to pretty much do whatever he wanted at that point. He, the injury had healed itself. And so I, I think it just is a testament to his work ethic, his dedication to this team, this organization, and the Blazers, uh, I don't, they wouldn't be where they are right now if he didn't play at the level he's playing at. I, you know, I talked, if they got 80% of Yusuf Nurkic, that would be great. Well, if they had 80% of Yusuf Nurkic, their season would be over right now. So it, it, it's remarkable what he's been able to do. And that's definitely, Jared, as you said, he, he got better. And I think that's what blew my mind about all this was because realistically, you can't expect him to come back and be that same dude. One, because of all of the recovery time, but just the, the rust, just not being around the guys. And it was like he didn't skip a beat and somehow he managed to get better because it was like a legitimate offseason when most players improve. So I just wanted to make sure that we got that across about Yusuf Nurkic, that this te- he is such a difference maker. He makes this team so much better. And in the process, his passing, I think, is just so fun to watch. And he, he's such a threat out there because of that. And the Blazers can do so much more with him on the floor. And even going back to those Denver days and when he first got here, as you mentioned, like there was so much about his attitude and his work ethic and all that stuff. And man, he's, he's proved all, all of that to be wrong and it's worked out so well. And then you hear the same things about Hassan Whiteside and so far it's, it's all and super supportive and he's playing limited minutes and he was such a, he played such a key role in those limited minutes, specifically in that Nets game. So just your guys' thoughts on Hassan and his importance for this team over the next few games. I don't the I don't think the Blazers beating if they get into the series with the Lakers, I don't think whether they beat the Lakers or not is gonna depend all that much on what Hassan Whiteside does, other than maybe moments, key moments in certain games. Was he able to, you know, alter a shot at the rim, a big shot? Was he able to pull down a rebound at a time the Blazers were struggling to get boards? I think those are the type of things they're going to be looking for for, from Hassan Whiteside. Smaller things versus you need to, you you know, you need to give us 12 points and 10 boards a game. I don't think they're going to be looking for that. Yeah, I agree. He's, I think he's made the most of his limited minutes that he's playing now and and he deserves a ton of credit for having a good attitude because that was something in Miami when he was taken out of the starting lineup that that wasn't the case and so for him to do that and be a team player um, shows a lot of maturity from him and I think that's awesome Um, but I think I don't see him having a huge impact against the Grizzlies or the Lakers unless Yusuf Nurkic gets into foul trouble and I think if Nurkic gets into foul trouble then the Blazers are going to be in trouble anyway. And I don't think Hassan Whiteside is going to be able to come to the rescue in that situation, but just having that depth, I think is important because like Nate said, this team is, doesn't have a lot of depth right now. And and Hassan Whiteside is one of their legitimate rotation players. And so they're going to need him. They're going to need him to play probably the same amount of minutes, 15, 16 minutes a game and be impactful in those minutes he's playing. 
he's going to put up stats. I mean, he's averaging eight points, six rebounds, a block and a half in those 16 minutes. Those are good stats, but he needs to have a positive impact on the game on both ends of the, of the court. And I, I, I think he will. I think that he's shown enough in the bubble and his attitude is good that I like what I've seen out of him. And, and in the role that he's playing, I think that he can have some of an, somewhat of an impact, but it pales in comparison to other players who, who are going to have much more of a say in, in, in where the Blazers go in these playoffs. So three of us have the Blazers advancing to the playoffs and meeting the Los Angeles Lakers to start the week off. Can you guys pick a player not named Damian Lillard who you guys expect to have the biggest impact on the game against the Grizzlies? Against it's Gary Trent. Uh, if he's making threes, this team offensively goes to another level. Uh, they've been looking the Blazers for forever. I've been looking for three and D's. And it looked like with Rodney Hood before he got hurt that they had finally found one. And then he got hurt. And they've been, they, so the search continued. And Gary Trent for them in this bubble has been a three and D. And when he's making shots, it takes some pressure off Lillard because he's someone else you have to worry about. It takes pressure off CJ. And then defensively, he's their best perimeter defender. And so to me, it, that's, a, that's an easy answer. It's Gary Trent to me. I think that's probably the best answer. I'll go with a different one. I think that in the first game they played in the bubble against the Grizzlies, Yusuf Nurkic was excellent, but an underrated thing that, that he did indirectly was, was get Jonas Valanciunas in foul trouble. I think Valanciunas only played 14 or 16 minutes in that game because he was in foul trouble. And part of that was because of, of Lillard, but also because Yusuf Nurkic. And so I think if Yusuf Nurkic can be as impactful as he was in that first game against Memphis and you know, find a way to keep Valanchunas on the, on the bench. I think that's going to be a help to the Blazers. Big shots, three to the dome, Carmelo Anthony. <laughs> I think he's going to play well against the Grizzlies. Guys, it, it's time to, to call it and uh, make sure to follow us on Twitter. Check out our work on KGW.com as well. Please leave us a review, subscribe. It helps us out so that other people can find us. Guys, it's been a fun week, and hopefully we have much, much more Portland Trailblazers to talk about in the next week or two to come. Guys, it's been fun chatting it up on on Zoom with you guys and, and doing the podcast virtually. So let's run it back again. Take care, guys.